Welcome to Season 1 of the Overcomers Podcast. We are going to talk to you about overcoming adversity and living your dreams. If you've ever struggled, this is for you. We're going to talk to you about such struggles as... Drug addiction, relationship struggles, parenting struggles... Incarceration, being displaced from your home. We're even going to touch on things such as sexual assault, or even if you just struggle with finding your purpose, finding your passion, being part of a community, this is for you. Like I said, if you've ever struggled, this is for you. So welcome to the Overcomers Podcast, where we're going to help you to overcome the adversities of life and live your dreams. Welcome to the Overcomers Podcast. Well, we sure do have a special guest today, Sarah Apgar. She uh, was former military. She is an inventor of the Fit Fighter Hose. She's a firefighter, a mother, and a wife. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks so much, Cindy. I'm so pumped to be here. Yeah, this is exciting. So glad you could make time. I know you're super busy. You got your invention. You're working with Shark Tank. Not one time, but two times she's been on Shark Tank. So that is super exciting. Um, I know you got children, busy wife, busy mom. Um, so let's get right into it. Let's start back when you were in the service. Um, let's talk to the listeners a little bit about how that went for you. Um, maybe your age and, you know, kind of just give us some, some stuff about when you were at first in the service and how that, how that transformed. Sure. Well, so the first part of the story, which I think is really important and relevant, whether or not you're a teenager now that's sort of working your way through that educational experience and growing up, or whether you're a parent from the other side, is that when I first learned about the military was when I was a senior in high school and realized that there was a scholarship that can actually help you pay for your undergraduate education. If you then commit to four or five years in the military after you graduate. And I just think that's an extraordinary opportunity. I will definitely open that up to my girls and, you know, with just as an option for them. Um, if, if you're headed into college and you're not sure, you know, where you're headed or what that North Star is for you yet, this was felt like an amazing opportunity. And I was one of those people, one of those kids, you know, I had my head in 10 different directions every day you know, the next shiny object, I was like always sort of, you know, like veering towards. And so for me, this was a very grounding experience, something that I complimented my undergrad experience. And then the day you graduate from college, you're commissioned as a second lieutenant into the United States Army or Navy or Air Force, depending on your choice of service. And so for me, what that meant is back in 2002, it meant heading to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri for a nine month training school, a crash course effectively in being an engineer corps officer and a platoon leader of 35 men and women in a platoon. And then off to Fort Carson, Colorado, which is my first duty station. And you can imagine 2003 timeframe, combat operations in Northern Iraq had just ended in the spring of 2003. So I was three weeks into landing, you know, feet on the ground in Colorado, and I was on a charter aircraft out to Kuwait City and up to Mosul, Iraq. Um, and for my, my very first ever platoon leadership experience in the army. So at 23 years old, you know, total sort of deer in the headlights and really having to lean on all of that, you know, experience as 
whatever I could as an athlete, you know, as a person, as a, an ROTC student and all of that experience they try to give you as, you know, a young leader and sort of energetic young person. And so I really learned so much about being responsible for a group of people, their health and wellness, everything they did and their successes and failures. And that's, that's something that's carried through, you know, two decades later, very much into the present day, that notion of the fact that, you know, succeed or fail, you do that as a team. And ultimately there is someone who's responsible for, for that, you know, as a team. And so I spent, um, I spent one deployment um, up in uh, Northern Iraq and Mosul supporting 101st Airborne Division and their reconstruction of Northern Iraq. Um, and so it was a very, very powerful experience that's absolutely been life-changing and shaping in terms of having a very mission-driven sort of life and professional career. Wow. Wow. So when you first went into the service, you were already in charge of, you said, 35 people? Mm -hmm. Okay. So they were introduced to you. You were running the show and you were the leader of your pack. Wow. Yeah. It's a pretty, yeah, yeah. And, and so I know one of the things, Cindy, we talked about last time you and I were together was, you know, we obviously had a lot of experiences together, um, you know, that are just unimaginable, I think, for, you know, for a lot of people in there, especially at that age, you know, and in your young life. And so I, I learned a lot about just that, you know, everything is about people. Um, one of the stories I shared with you last time was that, um, when we were about three months into that deployment, December 16th of 2003, we had um, a youngest soldier whose name was Nathan. He is 19 years old. Um, and he was caught up um, in, an, in an engagement. He, he ended up losing his life. He was the one soldier under my command um, for whom that happened during the time we were over there. And you know, that's something that I, I mean, I guess goosebumps now talking about it, obviously a lump in my throat. And I remember the night that that happened, gathering that my platoon together in a circle around me and kneeling down in the center of that circle. And I felt like, wow, you know, this is, and I mean, it's still to this day, of course, like this moment in my life where you, you kind of have to lean back on your strength of character and your values and just do your best to, to share with your platoon that you're, you're there for them. You know, this is our family and we have no choice, but to sort of get through this together. And there's, there's no sort of painting over any of that, you know, with any kind of rose colored goggles, you know, and that kind of moment. And that's something that will stay with me forever and actually fit fighter and and the mission that we have and what we do with our company is very much, you know, is, is a tribute and an honor to Nathan's life and the energy he brought to it and what I loved about him and trying to carry that forward, you know, through our work now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Geez, that must've been certainly tough and um, pulling everyone together and being that leader for them. Um, was probably huge, you know, because you were feeling it and you had to be in control and, and gather the troops, like you said, and say, listen, we're a family, we're in this together and we're here to support each other. But yet you had to lead that because, you know, obviously you were the one in charge. 
Um, so you do, um, you donate, um, is it a monthly thing, a quarterly? It's just so often. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the, the Fit Fighter Hose and how um, you, what is the, the organization that you donate to? Yeah, so fast forward from there, you know, 15 years. And as I was launching Fit Fighter, I was thinking about, you know, what we were doing was sort of taking this strength training system and the spirit of our training philosophy and bringing it to the mainstream, um, you know, strength and conditioning and, and fitness worlds. And one of the things I really wanted to do was always have a tie back to that, those experiences in the military and supporting our service members who deserve to be supported and their families. And so we decided very early on that we would partner with the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, which was formed in honor of Stephen Siller, who also, much like Nathan Nakus, lost his life in 9-11. So ran through the Brooklyn Tunnel after he was already off shift and his vehicle was not allowed back in and arrived at the World Trade Center to support his on-duty colleagues and fellow firefighters and ultimately lost his life. And as a young firefighter with kids, um, he, you know, very similar situation. And so I thought, well, I love that that's the spirit of this charitable organization. And they also support wounded veterans as well as fallen firefighters and their families. So it just seemed like the perfect tie back. So a percentage of our revenues and our sales from our equipment and our training is donated on an annual basis to Tunnel to Towers for those um, to provide some of that support. So I love, I just much like you guys at Journey and, and with everything you do, it just the idea that, you know, for-profit business can support charitable causes that ultimately provides financial and other resources to people who deserve it most seems like sort of this obvious idea. And so it's been really, um, it's been a great experience to get to know that organization, the people who run it. Wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. So, so you're a mom, mm -hmm. two beautiful little girls. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so tell me, <laughs> yes. And uh, so tell me a little bit about that. So you got out of the service, you met your husband, mm -hmm. who's a doctor, busy guy. Mm -hmm. And then now we have, we have two little girls and they're in pre-K. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're going to school now. So that's, that's awesome. Right. And so through the pregnancy, I know that we had discussed before postpartum. So I want our viewers to hear a little bit about that. Um, this is the Overcomers podcast. So we've already heard about the military stuff and what you had to overcome there. Um, but I really want to touch base on this topic with you because um, I feel it's a, it's a topic that isn't talked about enough. Um, I think a lot of people, even still to this day, you know, 2021, that they think um, it's, it's not really real that women just need to get over it or, you know, you're just tired because you had a kid, you know, just let's go make dinner, whatever. I don't know. I just feel like it's not, it's, it doesn't have the recognition that it should have because it is obviously a, a real thing and many people suffer from it. So tell us a little bit about um, what you went through and, and how you kind of figured it out and got through it and that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you that it's, it's it's easy to sort of be taboo about this because nobody wants to be, you know, certainly not when you're going through something like this, you know, that you want to be sort of shouting from the rooftops because you yeah. have such a drained sort of confidence and your emotions. And then sort of after the fact, it's almost like you sort of want to be, you know, once you've kind of come out of that dark tunnel then you want to sort of be a different person, right? And you don't want to sort of go back to kind of like being reminded of those, you know, those dark days. And so this is something that it's taken me a while, you know, to, to begin to talk about. And I think, and I love the idea that we can slowly figure out ways to, you know, when people are going through that and, and also just as, as, as communities, you know, of women and moms that, that we can, we can broaden this to something that, you know, is not so taboo and sort of kept behind the curtain. So when I, what's interesting is that with my first daughter, Emery, in 2016, that was actually from like a kind of birth trauma experience. That was actually the more traumatic pregnancy because I had preeclampsia, um, which I knew throughout the pregnancy that we were watching for. And so this was a high-risk pregnancy already. And then I delivered her six weeks early and she was four pounds. And so she was in the NICU for eight days. And so there's this very sort of like physically traumatic experience, um, which obviously then just bleeds into the emotional but after the fact, once I was able to sort of regain my strength physically, and then, you know, Emery came out of the NICU, I didn't experience that postpartum depression in my first pregnancy. And I, I think when I reflect on it, it's sort of like when you have your one child and it's your first child, and I did have a lot of good support and I had a great, you know, sort of dream job and I'd had a good maternity leave. And so I think I was in that sort of like superwoman, superhero, right, mode where I still was able to keep a reasonable balance that felt sort of tenable, you know? And then what happened was fast forward two years, I had Arlen, my second daughter, and Emery's two years old. I had a much more difficult position at the time at like the super early stage startup with no maternity leave. So I took two weeks of maternity leave and then got right back in the saddle to work and had another young child and Arlen was born. And I felt suddenly as if, like, it's as if everything, like the floor just sort of dropped out from underneath of me. I remember this feeling of just like total and utter emptiness where it was like, I was just constantly tired, trying to work and be a great executive, having not had the time to rest. I was having trouble breastfeeding Arlen, whereas I had been able to do that better with Emery. Um, I just physically gained a lot of weight at the time. And so all of these factors, like physically, mentally, professionally, emotionally, just dropped the floor out from underneath of me. And I felt just this emptiness. And here I was with these two beautiful daughters, you know, and a successful husband. And yet you just feel completely lost. And I remember thinking like, okay, this is probably the moment where I'm going to first seek, you know, real professional help you know, real, really reach out, like, because otherwise I risk really risk, you know, my life, my daughter's life, my health, you know, I could tell that there was sort of something really different. And I suddenly realized, wow, this is like the clinical condition that people talk about, you know, it gives me goosebumps now. Cause I think back to it and I think about how different I feel now from, you know, even on my most most tired day or my most right. exhausted day, right? Like you still, and, and your darkest moments still, that was so different and so distinctive. 
And so I thought, okay, this is what this feels like. This is what we've been talking about. And it was so abstract for me before. And now I really know. And so I started to drink. I drank too much. I, you know, there were sort of those self, self-coping mechanisms, you know, that you sort of turn to. So finally, I, um, you know, I told, I talked to my husband about it and I did reach out to a a women's health organization in New York that provided professional support and therapy for um, this condition, this clinical condition. And I think my ability to finally acknowledge and be self-aware and come out of the denial that this is something that I too could experience um, and I really wasn't, you know, the superhero that second time around was really kind of the key to them being able to like start to turn a corner and, and, you know, you realize in going through that and seeing other people in the office that are like normal women, like you are and normal moms and chatting with them that like, you're not the only person in the entire world that's going through this. Right. And actually there's many, 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 many thousands. And this is actually quite a normal thing. And it makes sense. And that there's sort of like a diagnostic knowledge of why this, this happens. And so got some medication and had that, you know, did that therapy and, and really took care of myself the way that you took, take care of a broken arm and right. put a cast on and do what you need to do. And, and so about after about, I would say like a year to 18 months, you know, I remember kind of like really being diligent about that and slowly working towards my physical health and emotional well-being. Um, I was able to come off the medication. I was able to come out of, you know, stop my regular therapy. And, um, and I haven't, you know, haven't experienced that same, obviously it's an exact condition since even with ebbs and flows um, in my professional and personal life since then. So, and Arlen's, you know, almost four, so it was about two and a half years ago to three years ago. And, um, and yeah, so I really now try to, I try to be, I try to ask, I try to ask sort of like loving and curious questions of women and moms who I feel like I sort of sense that like, you know, a sensitivity to this happening, you know, and them sort of looking, you know, you can sort of, there's a a look to someone who's like feels empty, you know, like, and you're sort of a little withdrawn and you have sort of dark eyes. And so I try to just, yeah, be like super open and then maybe even offer a little bit of information about that experience. So Because I'm sure just like what you were feeling, especially for however many months you just kind of kept it inside, putting on weight, went to drinking, just trying to deal with it. Like, like those are the things that they're doing, you know, if, if, you know, in fact, they're going through that and to have somebody just like a kind word and, you know, offer some, you know, like you're not alone. So um, yeah, it, because you do want to, um, anytime anyone's going through something, um, you try to keep it private. You feel like you're the only one, right? First of all. And, and you don't want anybody to know it's shameful, no matter what, like if you feel depressed or anxiety, or, you know, you're drinking too much or whatever you, you keep it private because you don't want people to know. So, um, but, you know, obviously discussing it with your husband and getting help, um, was what was the turning point for you so that you could get the help. And, uh, yes, if you notice it in other people, reaching out to them, I think is, uh, is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier chatting before our podcast about, um, young people now and sort of the world of, 
you know, a world where we sort of have our real lives and then we kind of have like our sort of real lives, right? Like digitally and with social media and everything. And I think that that's actually made this even more challenging because we like project ourselves and our own conditions, like based on these other things that we see swirling around us. And we can't imagine that those people are also human beings who are going right. things, right? And so it's almost as if like it's worse. And I definitely like now building a company and building a brand and sort of figuring out my own personal role, you know, as a leader of that brand, like these are things we talk about even like as a team, you know, because I have a team of people now that's helping me to build a company just the same way that that you all have as well. And and so it's so interesting because you end up getting in these conversations about like, okay, I, you know, I say all the time to my team, like, I want to let, let's, let's push the envelope here. Let, let's be extra human. Yeah. <laughs> thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's be, let's go like overly human and a little bit opposite because I'm so sick and tired of seeing like, you know, kind of this, like everything happening through a filter. And so, right. yeah. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to the fit fighter hose though. I mean, you were just talking about your team. So tell us, um, so you were a firefighter and you said, you know what, there's some training that needs to be done. Like we gotta, we gotta train some of these people so they can be in shape to, uh, to grab the fit fighter or grab the fire hoses and get in and out of buildings and up ladders and, and they're long and they're heavy and, and it's exhausting really. And uh, so you invented a tool that would help um, train them and, 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 um, and keep them active and yet be able to work out with this. And the average person, I mean, we have them, we use them almost every single day at our facilities. People love them. There's so many different things that you can do with them. So we love them, but the average person can use them. But your invention was, was for the firefighters, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So tell us about it and, and tell us about your Shark Tank 2 experience. How cool is this? Two times Shark Tank. Love it. So yeah, tell us, how did you, uh, how did you come to invent it? Yeah, well, the fun, the, the really fun founding story for Fit Fighter is that it's all, it was all about from the very beginning, solving simple problems. And, you know, it's funny because I sort of joke with people that, that that's definitely who I am as like a person and an inventor and someone who likes to just tinker and be curious. Like I, I'm not, I'm not sort of like that kind of erudite, like intellect, you know, person up in my head. Like I'm very much, I'm very physical. I love physical objects. I like, I like problem solving and I like sort of seeing something and thinking like, Hey, could we make this like a little bit better or easier or whatever? And that was really like the nature of the founding story with Fit Fighter is that I was noticing that as a volunteer firefighter for the first time training and learning all of these new skills, you know, using just, you know, hundreds of pieces of new technical equipment, um, loading our bodies with a ton of weight on compressed air and all this training we were doing. And I was a person who had like a pretty strong, you know, physical athletic background. I was yeah. a collegiate division one athlete. I was a military gal. And here I was saying like, wow, you know, really keeping up, like there was a lot to learn and there was a lot of movements that I felt like, wow, this is a different kind of movement that is requiring an uncommon level of things like grip strength 
and stability, you know, core stability and ability to move quickly with weight and ability to make, you know, sharp bursts of energy when you don't have a complete intake of oxygen happening because the compressed air is kind of like takes a little bit out of you. And so I was like, this is in and of itself all its own style of training and has these unique requirements. And so I was just looking for simple ways to replicate and train for these unusual sort of uncommon demands. And so I started to tinker with, I would say like, okay, everybody is working at, you know, when we're doing our fitness training once a week, you know, everybody, or, or like a skills session where we're handling hose, everybody's going to start walking around with weight. So, you know, I would say like, okay, when we're like, you're going to hold a, you know, a tool in each hand that was like a 10 pound tool, just right off the trucks, didn't have anything to do with the skill we were learning, but you're going to walk around with weight and feel what that feels like, you know, in your hand. And then we would do, um, you know, I would work with them on the body positioning, not when they're actually with charged water in the hose line, but just pull chart, you know, hose off the trucks and talk about maintaining that hose in towards your body instead of out here where we're lying on, you know, upper body strength. I don't know if our viewers can actually see what I'm doing, but you get the idea. So like I'm, I'm motioning, right? Like way away from the body. And so I would, we would work on these really simple principles. And then I realized I was like, there's, there gotta be some simple tools that we can create that can actually transcend, you know, a lot of the sort of similar principles we're working on here, which is like the, as I said, the grip strength, it's understanding how to move with loaded weight. It's understanding that weight closer into your body is a more efficient way and more effective way to move and to, and to run the skill and to move the, the tools. And so I started to use all that old fire hose line and I would cut it into different lengths of hose and fill it with like rocks and sand and dirt and stuff that was around the laying around the truck bay. And then even like old scraps of steel initially. And then we would work with it in different ways and mimic it being different tools. And obviously one of the tools was fire hose itself. And then as we evolved, we realized like, wow, we're, we're training just about every strength and conditioning principle that I wanted to train mm -hmm. from using this one tool, this lifeline of the fire ground. Like this is kind of interesting. And so I started to think like, well, maybe we could standardize some of this, you know, we could use the three foot pieces and they could represent all the tools we use for search team operations. And we could take, you know, 10 and 20 foot pieces and we can work with them on the cardiovascular, you know, metabolic training, like dragging up the stairs. Yeah. And so in the fire, firehouse context, we had a lot of different lengths and a lot of different widths of hose and fast forward a couple of years. Um, we had slowly built on this original design this prototype of this, what's now the steel hose that is now a fitness product, a tool, a strength tool, I should say, that has just thousands of applications for everybody from a teenage lacrosse player who's looking to move a tool, the lacrosse stick, right? Mm -hmm. Efficiently and effectively in their hands or someone suffering from arthritis who has trouble, you know, gripping a, a, a cold steel dumbbell and the grip is really nice because of the quality of the fire hose. So we really stumbled upon, you know, I love that everybody thinks that from the beginning, the steel hose was like this perfectly beautiful inspiration in my head that all of a sudden overnight, 
(laughs) popped out, you know, and there it was, but actually it was years in the making. And we started to, so, so sort of trying to bring us to present day, Cliff's Notes, we started to work with gyms, you know, like you guys, you and Travis and, and trainers and coaches. And we started to work with teams and, you know, different kinds of um, camps, sports camps. And then six months later, March, 2020 hits. COVID-19 has, you know, is, is among us. And, you know, that world of sort of, you know, that, that sort of institutional world is shutting down and people are needing solutions for training at home, for home fitness. Trainers are going virtual. So they need strength training tools that they can recommend to their own members um, that they're still working with. And so we said, well, we have an opportunity faster than we expected to, reach people in these remote environments and put fire hose in people's living rooms. Right. And that was literally sort of like the, the light bulb at that moment. And so we built, we came up with a home gym set, you know, we started to provide, you know, our custom designs, you know, to, to folks. And we started to, to, you know, to trainers, we started to, um, with our five through 35 pound weights, we started to develop training programs. We would do just like Instagram lives so that people then had some programming and some training solutions and workout options and very sort of grassroots style went from, you know, being sort of this B2B model that I was trying to launch into more of an institutional fitness community to a home fitness brand that could give people great strength training and, and, and really more importantly, even that strength mindset to get through COVID and the spirit of everything that our roots represented. And the Shark Tank story started with the producers finding us. And I think seeing that they found us and said- and, They found and, you. Right. And, oh, and so okay. I think saw this tool and what we were doing. And I think got wind of the story and I think really loved the idea, you know, reached out and said, um, you know, this is really cool. This is so, such a fascinating, you know, founding story and wow, your life story. And oh my gosh, also, it seems like you've got this really good novel innovation here. And so that phone call was the end of May of last year. And what ensued was this 10 week process of interviewing and business diligence and interviews with producers and pitch preparation. And finally on the end of June, they called and said, we've got a tape slot for you in middle of August and we'd love to have you come be on the show. So it was like, okay, let's start, you know, preparing the pitch and we're going to, we're going to really do this. We're going to bring this to the masses and have this. And it was really saved the company. You know, a lot of people are very transparent about the fact that, you know, it was, it was a struggle because we were like this early stage company that had just launched to market. And then all of a sudden the market completely changes and we're not really designed for that. And so it really helped us to, kind of, you know, turn a corner into the direct-to-consumer fitness world and build our brand that way. And now sort of June, you know, May, June, 2021, 
you know, I think as the world starts opening up again, we'll, we'll also come back around and start to approach that community again of, you know, gyms and coaches and teams, because now sort of as we come out of COVID and everyone emerges from their, you know, cocoons, we've got this, this great tool that's now sort of out there in the world and, and we can bring to the masses. So that's, that is the, the founding story of this company. And it's definitely not a, uh, it's not your sort of like, it's not your Inc. Magazine version of a startup story, you know? It's like, oh, man. <laughs> I, I love it. I love that you were working um, as a firefighter and thinking, I need, we need something. We need something different. And so to, to keep, you know, to keep us in shape, to keep our cardiovascular, to, I mean, cause these are not normal movements or, you know, and so you're like totally thinking outside of the box and you start stuffing dirt and stones and whatever you can into the hoses and then are putting together a workout routine for you and, and obviously the, the other people in the firehouse um, to do these things with. And that's how that's how the Fit Fighter Sail Hose was born. I love it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And so now the Steel Hose is at uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. It's at three. What is it? How many? 100? 103. Dick's Sporting Goods around the country. Yep. Now carry our Steel Hoses. You can wander in and... You know, just yeah, grab your grab like your dry fit shirt and a steel hose, and it just feels cool to be a part of now such a you know well respected brand you know in yeah. the equipment and apparel industry, and that 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 I think can be something really huge for us in terms of reaching yeah. just the demographic that's mm -hmm. you know really really mainstream because you know it, it is I mean I love the idea that we can impact I mean definitely. There's a pro community here that can be impacting. There's a great team training tool, you know, for the field and the turf and something really neat about being able to train as a unit with a safe tool that everybody can have a 20 pound hose. I mean, some of the fire academies, that's what, that's what they do now is they, they train with steel hoses, but I also love if I had my druthers just for the next like year, we would reach out there to people who had never strength trained before you know, and they never sort of been told like, Hey, we've got something for you. That's affordable that you can build your strength and start your strength journey right. <laughs> and, um, to, to nod to you guys and to really be, you know, that is something for you, right? You can weight train. It's not weight training for, you know, for gym rats, right? Like this right. is their strength training is something that transcends every human being. And we have a lot of people that write into us and that's what they talk about. They say, I've never lifted a weight before. And the steel hose are the first thing I've ever tried. And I did, you know, Mike Morris, they're like, shout out to our pros. You know, I did Mike Morrison's introductory, you know, strength workout and just mm -hmm. wanted to let you know. And I'm getting like, I get goosebumps. It's like when you have someone walk into your gym for the first time and they're like, I've never been at a gym, you know, like, it's right. like, wow, you have just given someone this power they never had before. Mm -hmm. And wow, like what an experience. So that's the part I love the most is that, you know, we can reach out 
those are the people, you know, I'd love to, to really keep touching and, and push our limits as to how we can reach those communities. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, when, when the world got locked down and, and we, we went virtual, um, with our fitness, um, we, you know, obviously reached out to you. We got the, the Fit Fighter hoses. We told all of our members about it. You hosted a, a two-hour seminar, I think, showing us. You're like, listen, there's a ton you can do. We need to all get on a Zoom call. And uh, it's amazing the stuff that you can do with it. It is so versatile. Um, like I said, we use them literally every, every week we, we have them in our programming because I've, our, we have an, an older clientele at the location that I work at in Sayre mostly. Um, but, but even, even our one in Horseheads is, is a little bit older demographic. And I feel like the fit fighter hose is not intimidating. Mm -hmm. Like a, a kettlebell is intimidating to them. Sometimes dumbbells, like lifting them up, getting them off the racks and putting them back. They're, they're nervous and they're intimidated by it. And I feel like for the Fit Fighter host, you can throw it down, you pick it up. You can, I mean, you know, it's not intimidating. It doesn't hurt you if it, you know, you have it up on your shoulder. It's not bulky. It's not um, digging into you. And I, I just, I love it. We love it here. We, we take it to the park. We do park workouts. We gather them all up that we have. We bring them over there. We do a complete workout with just the Fit Fighter hoses at the park. Like literally everyone grab a Fit Fighter hose. We're going to do our whole workout. We get the music going and we did it uh, once a month all summer long. Um, so we're just getting ready to gear up. Uh, Cause of course we're in, you know, upstate New York and Pennsylvania. So the weather, you know, is cold in the winter, but, um, mm -hmm. so yeah, we, we love them. Uh, couldn't, can't say enough good things about it for sure. Sarah, tell us how can our viewers reach out to you if they want to follow you on social media, if they want to get a fit fighter hose, um, tell us a couple of your channels they can reach out to you or follow you on. Yeah, hundred percent. Very easy to find us. So fitfighter.com is where to go and grab your hose. I do recommend starting with the 15 pound hose. I think it's sort of the bread and butter, you know, wrap, great to grip, great to wrap around the body. It's good for just about anybody starting out with strength training. Um, so that's my rec. And then we also have cl at classes.fitfighter.com, which you can also get to from the homepage. We have a $10 a month training program, which is like two cups of coffee and hundreds of strength training workouts. And that's the intent for it to be a compliment for what you're doing. So even if you're a member of a gym or you're an endurance athlete, or you've got another program that's going on, this is just going to teach you how to most effectively, you know, get the most out of your steel hose. So I love kind of putting a plug in for that and all my pro team that's, that's, um, develops those workouts. And then, um, on Instagram, find us at fit fighter and at fit fighter pro, um, for, lots of great sort of snippets of movements and to get inspired. And um, yeah, we'd love to, it's just exciting. We have 10,000, about 10,000 new members of our community and steel hose owners just in the past five months, five, six months. Since wow. That's so cool, right? <laughs> 10,000 strong. <laughs> right, yeah. 10,000 lives getting better, right? You know, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Any last words? Oh my gosh. I think, yeah, I said this to you guys last time we were talking about 
like parting words. And I think that it's curiosity. So I said, be curious, you know, is one of my, is always one of my, my mantras, um, says it in our core values. And, um, I think that that's what, you know, curiosity breeds connection and it breeds your, your, your own creativity and sort of like your, gets your heart kind of engaged, you know, in people and ideas. And I think is what sort of spawns, you know, that ability to keep moving, putting one foot in front of the other. So I, I love kind of leaving folks with that. Um, and, you know, as like an idea, as a principle, um, and then of course, acting human, since we're all just giving each other a little space now to figure out as we come out of this crazy last couple of years. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some parting words, but it's, it's so fun to reflect with you guys always. And there's so much good synergy with journey and, you know, your, your mission too. So this is like a perfect fit. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're an inspiration, my friend. You are. Thank you so much for being on the show, Sarah. Appreciate it. Yeah, sure. See you soon. All right. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Overcomers Podcast sponsored by Journey 333. When I am not hosting the Overcomers Podcast, I am working at one of our fitness franchises so that I can continue to help people overcome adversity on a daily basis. That's right. People come to the Journey 333 fitness franchises because they want a coach in their life. They want somebody to help them overcome the adversities of life, motivate them to higher levels of greatness, bring out their potential, help them lose weight, get off medications, fight depression, fight anxiety. That's what we do on a regular basis. If you feel like you want your life to be about helping more people to overcome their adversities, if you feel like you're an overcomer and you want to create more overcomers, then maybe owning a Journey 333 franchise would be for you. To find out more, go to www.journeyfitness333.com.